You're listening to a Glasgow Women's Library podcast. What you're about to hear are extracts from our What Women Talk About When They Talk About Sex discussion workshops, part of the Sex in the Women's Library programme 2015. For more information on the library, our Sex in the Women's Library programme, or any of our other work, please visit our website at womenslibrary.org.uk. Hi everyone, thank you so much for coming. It's brilliant to have you here. Tonight is our sexology discussion groups um, and it's within the wider sexology season which is all supported by the Welcome Collection and it's linking in with work happening in London and Manchester. Here in this discussion group we are working within the model of consciousness raising groups which was a radical feminist model of working together and meeting together that was developed in the second wave of feminism. So the idea is that women come together in groups that are safe spaces for women to talk about the things that they want to talk about and share their truths and explore their feelings about things. So we are thinking about that, we're using that model in terms of sex and sexuality for women in Scotland in 2015. In terms of our ground rules that we've agreed together, these are really important so that the group um, holds together and is safe for everybody. The most important one is confidentiality. So when we leave here, it's important that we don't take anything that we've said here with us and we don't attribute it to anyone. We can use a name that we'd like, so you can all pick a name that's not your own one. You can use your own name if you want, that's absolutely fine. They can be therapeutic, but it's not therapy. And unless someone specifically asks for advice, we're gonna try not to give advice. Try and use the I voice saying like, I feel this, for example, rather than you feel because I is important and what you have to say is important and the personal is political. And finally, we'll just try not to interrupt people while they're speaking. We'll try and hold each other to that and I'm sure it'll be amazing. So thank you all so much for coming and we'll get started. How do you think the internet is affecting sex and sexuality? Um, I think there are lots of really awful things um, coming out of the internet as far as sex and sexuality um, are concerned. Um, I think the most obvious ones probably the sort of rise of porn that's you know degrading, damaging. You know, um, lots of. Um, quite bad, really awful sort of imagery that has become increasingly widely available and seems to be unregulated and accessible to you know lots of people that maybe can't handle it. However, I think on you know the, on the other hand, I think that there are lots of wonderful things I think probably coming out of it in terms of the way people can connect with one another and perhaps folk who have felt isolated in various ways sexually to, um, have maybe been able to find out that you know they're not alone and, and can maybe make connections that they, they wouldn't have done otherwise. I think that pornography's always been out there, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and oh, yeah. it was on the walls of Pompeii. Um, I think what's m- a wee bit more of concern is all the stuff like revenge porn, mm-hmm. you know, whereas, like, you know, when we were younger, you split up with somebody and you just, I mean, you might, there might be gossip about you, but there certainly wouldn't be pictures all over the internet, that, you know, that you might, you know, and it is also this, that people even take pictures and share pictures of themselves in vulnerable situations, you know, with people that they maybe don't quite trust enough. It, it, it seems to be this sort of currency of 
just degree, I think. Um, and, and, and again, it goes back to sort of kind of like <clears throat> when did our young people learn that that, that was so acceptable? And, and, and I think that's more what concerns me because you hear so many things now about because a lot of young people learn about sex and sexuality from watching a lot of these porn channels is that they expect, you know, they expect women to have no pubic hair. You know, they expect men to be uncircumcised. They expect everybody, you know, to sort of like, for things, you know, for sex to happen in particular ways, you know. They, they expect people to come in at angles that are designed <laughs> for the camera, you know, and, 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 and you know, that, and it's all got to be all sort of glistening and for women to have talon fingernails and, you know, all sorts of kind of stuff like that. Um, so I've heard. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's... Um, I think there's that, but I do think there's that aside, similar to what Linda said, the, the, the fact that there's people find it much more easier to find a community, to find other people who are you feel the same as I do, and I think as well when you're you're talking. I mean, I, I was brought up. Um, subjects you didn't talk about where politics, religion and sex you know, and it is a lot easier I find myself talking to women friends on the internet an awful lot more, you know, it seems to be sort of kind of again, a, a topic of currency, you know, it's sort of like talking about sexuality, you know, and talking about sort of like, oh do you think that, or do you think this, or, and, and again <coughs> having sort of kind of political discussions, there's, there's an awful lot more of that and I think that's much more of a kind of positive thing than than, than this a negative. I think going back to porn, I think what's different is that this is the first generation that's had internet access in their hands because it's right there. And how do you regulate that as a parent, or how do you? Yeah, you can't control what they're watching, and like it's not a family computer; it's it's right there. And whether that's porn or whether that is sexting or whether that's anything, I feel like. Um, not to be kind of alarmist about it because I know every generation, you know, there's always going to be progress and that's all very well, but I feel like we're giving young people all these tools that we don't know how to handle yet because they're brand new and we're giving it to like 13 year olds who how do you deal with that and how do you never mind about sex or porn or anything but just in terms of how do you find out what your identity is when everybody's always watching you or that's how you perceive it because your whole life is curated on Facebook or Twitter or that's you have to work out what you want to put out there and that's validated or not by likes or not. And that is your identity then. And how do you like how do you work out who you are with that as the kind of always um like that's always running in parallel to your development. Um so remains to be seen what'll happen with this generation. But it does I don't think it I mean that seems to be a seismic shift from anything that's happened before. Um and I'm sure there'll be good and bad aspects, but it does yeah, I feel like even like one of my stepsisters is, uh, oh God, what age is she? 16. Um, so there's not that big an age gap between us, but her experience of growing up is so different from mine because of the internet being handheld. And that is going to be, the think, the, the generational like split. Um, again, I'm from Egypt, so lots of Egypt chat here. Um, my experience is completely different. I would say the internet... There, as there are dangerous elements to it and all that. In Egypt, the internet caused a revolution, but it also opened up what what I'm feeling. And I, because I'm part of this generation, and I'm reading a book now called Sex in the Citadel, which looks at sexuality in the Arab world, is that there is a big shift because in before the internet, there was there's always been pornography. And pornography was only for men. Men would have magazines, pictures, tapes, and they would sort of secretly all like send each other like share these things boys men that's it women just didn't know anything about sex didn't know anything about their bodies then no one talked about it so what's happening now with the internet is that women are seeing sex 
they're seeing, they have access to this and they have access to other women within the Arab world if they have questions. Like when I lost my virginity, it was the most terrifying thing in the world and then only happened when the internet became a thing. And I was able to, okay, now I have Google and whenever, you know, if anything happens, I can just Google it and see because you don't have a network where gynecologists will see unmarried women, women having premarital sex. But the state does not protect women at all, when it, especially when it comes to their bodies, especially when it comes to sex. Um, so, so now, for example, um, on Facebook, Uh, I'm part of a group called Confessions of a Married Woman. They're not all married, but it's a group just for women who submit anonymously. They say, okay, I have this problem and this is what happened. What do I do? Or, you know, I've, I've done this with this person and my family haven't found out or they might find, you know, they, they and everyone sort of discusses and help each other out. And there's sort of a network for women to sort of be like, these are very specific uh, problems. Our, culturally, this is a problem here. And so they can discuss it and sort of help each other out. Out, um, which I think is a really a positive thing. And furthermore, also LGBT communities are starting to find each other, which in Egypt, again, is quite dangerous. And uh, we have a secret, we have something called the moral police, which can arrest you if you kiss in public and things like that. Um, the moral police now have started to patrol the, the internet a bit more. Um, so, but at the same time, they have, they have formed groups on Facebook, on social media for LGBT rights, um, which has never occurred. Like, and I can see a big shift My sister is only three years younger than me, but she was, I think, the first generation that was really, the internet was in their hand. Like with me, I can still remember all of the dial-ups and the, this and not really knowing what this is. Like my generation, like my, I mean, we're the same generation, but my people my age, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a gap between me and my sister and my sister. Um, her group and especially people um, who are not heterosexual um, are much more open about it. They're much more open at a much younger age. Um, they, they, there's, they, homophobia is not something that's accepted within her friends group. While my group of friends still, you know, they don't, they don't quite have that language. They don't quite. They haven't quite because they didn't grow up within that. Uh, the internet really opened up. Uh, this opportunity for people to talk and discuss and figure out what sex is. But on the bad side is now people watch porn and think that's how it should be done. Like I've been in Egypt where I've had girls come up to me and they're like, so I've decided to do this with, with the man. Like, what do I do? Because my friend told me to watch porn and I'm like, don't, don't watch porn. That's not, that's not how you have sex. And yeah, so that's the bad side. But I, I think the more positive side is that it's opening up um, venues in places where it's really, really, really limited. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I just want to echo what people have said about sort of the idea of community because I guess generally that's been my experience. It's been the internet has been a way to find other people who were like me, like fellow queer people. Um, and I think I think also the internet has has kind of it provides like almost like a proliferation of new identities because I'm doing a PhD in sort of asexuality and I'm looking or I'm talking with people who um, identify as asexual and the kind of People have only really started identifying as asexual since about 2001 and it's kind of credited to this, the formation of this kind of website and this forum. Um, and so almost the, the identity of being asexual has kind of grown up alongside the internet. It's very so intimately connected to that. And I think it's really interesting, in fact, that that is allowing new spaces for people to find new ways to identify, new language to kind of maybe, be, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that first, you know, as long as humans existed, people have not felt sexual desire or people have not wanted to engage in sex but maybe they didn't have this identity to come to and the kind of the ways that these identities are developing is that they're becoming so much more 
so complex and they're so like more and more dense and complicated or people are kind of finding other people and talking about you know things are being made like people are splitting up the idea of, of sexual and romantic so people can say that they identify as like hetero romantic but asexual so they're not interested in sex but they might still want a kind of partnership a romantic partnership with someone um, and I think those are things are useful also for like everyone who doesn't identify as asexual as well mm-hmm. so like yeah. things that are happening in these kind of queer spaces or asexual spaces um, kind of gives us more language to talk about sexuality when you mean in the mainstream I guess yeah that's although yeah I recognize obviously I like it people have said the kind of the negative horribly misogynistic element of the internet but um I think, yeah it means it's mostly kind of positive experience <coughs> I think it's really interesting what people have been saying um I don't feel like I've got anything to add really from a personal perspective because I feel like I came like started having a sexual life before I was before the internet was really prevalent and therefore I feel like I've missed that kind of like was all kind of teen magazines and help pages um, which were kind of fascinating at that time when you're kind of trying to get to grips with what's happening in your life but they were probably quite narrow spectrum I think it's interesting what Ellen's saying about like the plurality of things that are available to now, to, to women now and hopefully those will be broadening people's like choices that they're able to make um, I think like one of my when I was a kid I had a kind of relation with a, with a person I never with a, with a boy I never met and a relation as a kid so I was like I don't know, 14. And I think it's just normal, like was normal and will be normal. And mm, if we, I don't think should we should kind of worry for our, for the new generation. We'll be part, they, like there will be problems, there will be, but in some way, they, like, it will be just part of how, a new layer probably. Yeah, so, um, so yeah. <laughs> I watched a fascinating TEDx talk by a guy who was talking about internet porn. And, of course, the TEDx talk came to me by virtue of the internet, so I'm, I'm aware of the irony here. Um, but his research was on um, the effects of internet porn on young men, predominantly. And there is a whole swathe of young men who are now essentially being rendered impotent by virtue of internet porn. And the reason for that, and some of the reasonings, is that although porn has been around for many, many millennia, the type of porn that people watch now is very different. So it would have been a magazine, it was a, it was a static picture, there was a story, you created your own story. Now you can have six different channels of sex all at the same time. It's changing constantly, there's a constant turnover of images, it's it turns out what's happening and that becomes addictive in itself because it, it flashes off pleasure centres in our brain and it becomes addictive in a very similar way. So when you are then with a woman, a real live woman, you are not getting the same firing and you can't get it up because it's, you have become desensitised to a certain degree. He ran a support group for, for men who were trying to get off internet porn because they had become impotent, real, they couldn't have sex, real sex, because of the, 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 essentially you know, sexual stimulation and all that is just a biological mechanism but their biological mechanisms were turned up so high that you can't get the same, um, you can't get the same stimulation of you like when you're with a real person, and I suppose it depends what how we want to how we see sex and sexuality is whether that is an intimate exchange between two or more people or whatever combinations of people you want to have there. Because the other, the biggest, the single biggest explosion that's going to come on the internet is going to be cyber sex and 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 sex at a distance. And that's if you go to all of the IT conventions and all the things that are going to come. It's 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 the number one thing is going to come about sex, and that sex is going to be people the themselves with someone else themselves at some distance and I'm you know and that I, I don't think it worries me but it, it, I suppose it depends as, as kind of sexual animals which is what we are what that means for us as a species 
Not because I think sex is about procreation, I don't mean that, but I mean in terms of actually how we interact with each other and what that interaction and what we expect from a sexual experience. Um, and you know, that, that is going to be the next big thing. There's going to be things you plug into your computer that will simulate either end of whichever equation you want to be in um, and that is going to be the next biggest thing and I think and that worries me a little bit because you know when you when when you when you already have when you're responsible for an element of the next generation actually what is their sexual experience going to be like I suspect it might be very very different from ours not that it'll be, be- better or worse I think it will just be different so I don't understand right you've got the internet and that right I've not got any kids but I've got some nieces and nephews and that right and you know when you're vegan, I was always taking photos in the back and this and that, and whatever. And yet you can't do that. You can't even take photos of the remains at a park or anything. Mm, What's yeah. that all about? I mean, I don't. I can't get doing that. I don't know. But you can have all that on the internet. You can't take a photo of your remains. Wakeley's on. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah. You get at a concert. It's not for naked. Mm. It's just. I don't know. It's just. Happens just gone. I don't know. <laughs> I think you know that the internet may have you know an element to play in that because obviously what people are worried about is is exploitation of children and mm-hmm. the photographs being available on the internet. Some people, parents don't want their kids available on the internet and it's there forever after. And part of that is about exploitation mm-hmm. of children and, and, and a different mm-hmm. form of sexuality. And it, you know, it kind of spill that spills into everyday life. You know. I remember I went to um, my kids were at a swimming pool thing, mm-hmm. and they, t- they 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 had the school mascot home for the week, so they had to take pictures of where they'd gone with the school mascot. And I took my camera out, and I had only intended to take a picture then, but there was people appeared. You know, you cannot take pictures here in the swimming pool because you might accidentally mm-hmm. get, and I had to show them the pictures that I'd mm-hmm. taken. You know, in case you accidentally caught another child in their swimwear, um, and that has affected certainly societally. I would say how we view things, and it's because of this idea that you know predators and you know. Failure has always existed, but it's just a different form now, and much of that is on the internet. Because there used to be a time where if you went to anywhere where photographs had been taken, you signed a thing saying, mm-hmm. Can I be cropped out of these pictures? Especially, you know, in cases of women who are maybe escaping violence mm-hmm. and such, you know, I, I, that seems to have kind of gone out the window a wee bit now. But there's also this kind of joke that you get where it's like, you know, anytime Facebook goes down, they see people running around the streets going, How do you look? <laughs> is this a nice picture of me? Please. Yeah. Like me, like me, and if people don't like you, <gasps> turn the world, you know. Yeah, even if you think you're above that, you just think, mm. oh, well, like quite nice in that photo. I wouldn't like to bring a wean up in this day and age. I definitely wouldn't. It? Or a teenager, or mm-hmm. scary. Weans having weans, and mm-hmm. it scares me. That's all. Going back to what you were saying, Jay, about um, the kind of idea of seeing bodies that are not just like the Hollywood ideal. I feel like the internet has changed how I see my body because I'm quite um, kind of. I go sort of engage with what called the fat blogosphere quite a lot. So it's like women who I self-identify as fat, and like you're saying, like they take lots of pictures of themselves. Like they blog about fashion. They're very kind of candid and open, and they're kind of reclaiming this word fat, and that has been like so incredibly empowering for me as a fat person. Um, And it's now a word that I kind of use, and I don't have these kind of moral hang-ups about it because it's just like an adjective and seeing you know quick-handed pictures of people who have who have bellies who have bums who have thighs and people who are kind of okay with that like it's been really amazing for me so yeah I just want to pick up on that and say that it's it's been empowering I guess almost just being exposed to that rather than being sort of I guess outside the internet like you know things you see in tv the things you see in magazines things you see in newspapers it's um it's all very you know like one type of person one type of body whereas again going back to my last point I made maybe it's this diversity, this plurality (laughs) that um, the kind of internet is facilitating. I think it can change how how you see yourself, definitely. Mm. Does anyone want to pick a new bubble? 
How do you think attitudes to sex have changed in your lifetime? Shall I start? Um, I guess it's a lot of what we just talked about, about the internet. Um, for me personally, uh, interesting, like I grew up in a very conservative Christian family, but as I was a teenager, my parents got divorced, which caused them to kind of question and go back all of the things that they'd thought were true about their faith, because they both have been very, very conservative, se- like about sexuality. But yeah, I think that's something I've observed coming from a conservative Christian community to then people encounter things that cause them to leave that little box that's very comfortable and think, well, okay, hold on, the world is bigger and more plural, that seems to be the word of the night, than we we thought. Um, Well, I mentioned a a bit earlier that my little sister's um, age group and younger have gotten much more comfortable with the not being either male or female or not being you know uh, sort of the the norm um in egypt even though it's a bit dangerous um but i i and as i said because because of uh because of the internet uh, i feel like or at least i read uh that um, the shift now is really coming from women in the arab world that um women are are getting to know themselves a lot more and they're not as shy and the backlash is really harsh the sexual violence against women and just violence against women in general is becoming ever since 2011 ever since they took to the streets become quite uh, intense um and i think the reason is because women have decided that if i want to walk in the street i'll walk in the street no i'm you know if i want to wear this i'll wear this and um and and i feel like that's a big shift from when i was younger um which wasn't a very long time ago but still <clears throat> in 10 years uh, i think yeah i think a lot happened and i think women who are sexual active are uh, quite open a lot more open about it now than they used to be uh, and I know personally my, I mean I don't talk to my dad about my dad still thinks I'm a virgin and everything's fine um, but my mom doesn't and uh, and when I'm in Egypt and I have a I have a lot more male friends than I do female friends but I'm very open I, you know I, I constantly talk about my body because they get very uncomfortable or they used to get very uncomfortable when we were in university I used to always tell them things about my period or when I'm on my period I used to always tell them all my sexapades everything everything I just told them everything and maybe I don't know I hope I think I think it, it does affect how the, the, now they have girlfriends and stuff and it does affect how they view and how they interact um, with with the women in their life um, and hopefully if they do get married and have daughters maybe that will um, help but no I, there's a big big shift in my lifetime I think from where I come from in terms of sexuality which is great yeah towards positive not the negative um, I worry that we were becoming more and more steeped in rape culture, as if that was even possible, but I don't know. I was watching, I, I just recently finished doing like a whole rewatch of Buffy from the 90s, <laughs> and I was thinking about kind of women's representation in the media in the 90s, and I don't know, in the last couple of years it feels like there's been almost like a re-entrenchment of new forms of sexism, like this kind of resurgence of like laddish masculinity. Um, yeah, because like the Facebook sites like Unilad and, and things like that, that are just, they're so horribly misogynistic, but they kind of justify it as being ironic or, so there's something worrying that's happening there. And I don't know how that really relates to sexuality, I guess, probably just in terms of people having messed up ideas about consent or whatever. But um, I certainly see it at kind of university and stuff, this whole, this rise of this, yeah, this lad that is maybe even even 10 years ago when I was like 18, 19, when I first went to university, like I didn't, I didn't seem to be present. And now <clears throat> kind of I'm going back and I'm teaching these people and I'm seeing it then. And I don't know what's happened in that in that period. I don't know what, what's caused that to happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can just speculate, but, but it worries me. 
Yeah, I think attitudes to sex have changed a lot in my lifetime. Um, I guess maybe I'm thinking that maybe it has more to do with the relationships you have and attitudes within your family that affect then your openness or otherwise. I feel like my family never talked about sex. It wasn't a kind of discussion. We never, I never had a kind of like. I remember when I was like 15, my mum found a condom in my purse, and she was just like, "You should, like, you're too young to be having sex." It wasn't like a kind of empowering discussion. As like that, that is actually quite a, a useful thing for a young girl to have if she finds herself in a situation where sex is on the cards to to have that protection available. Um, when I was pregnant, my father said to me, "But you're not married." <laughs> so I think this kind of like. <laughs> This kind of attitude is what I was brought up with, but equally my partner's family, they're much more open and I feel like he probably had a very different upbringing with attitudes to sex. His mum was a, a huge feminist and I'm sure if I were her daughter then I would have had a very different kind of bringing into my sexual life. As a consequence, I feel like I don't feel very comfortable talking about sex. Like, I lost my virginity outside the back of a nightclub to a guy who was a total shit. <laughs> it wasn't an empowering experience. It wasn't like, oh, well, I've got to do this because, like, that's what other people are doing. But I haven't really had a forum where I can really discuss this. So, But I don't feel like that I'm part of the internet generation where I'm kind of exploring my sexual experiences within that forum. Um, so I'm sure that my daughter's experience will be vastly different from mine, from both of those points of view, from both that I intend to be much more open with her as she grows up to talk about that and to talk about like what it is to, to be a sexual person and like what you might want from sexual relationships and that that's not just, it's not a dirty, bad thing that it might bring a lot to your life rather than just be a way to bring the next generation along, so. I don't know if I had such a long life. No, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> to say what, like, to notice any real difference. The only big difference that I noticed is that I'm, I'm from Italy and this makes a lot of difference in terms of media. Like, we are, we, I, I was really used to see naked women in TV and, and uh, the figure of the hum, human as just a body for me is normal. Like, is the normality or was the normality. Like, I, I am conscious a lot uh, now about the fact that he's wrong. No, I actually think, yeah, everybody should go away and then come <laughs> back. I think to, yeah, to import some good behavior and things like that. So, yeah, geographical difference more than time difference. I think for me, one of the, the striking things is the kind of acceptance of difference or even just the portrayal of difference that what just wasn't there when we were young. I mean, and I, I, I happened to be in, in the car with my daughter, who could only be about seven or eight at the time. There was chat on the radio about um, you know how the Catholic Church was going to um, oppose the gay marriage. And my daughter, who was only seven at the time, said, why would you want to stop two people who love each other marrying each other? Who cares? And I just thought, you know, that really typifies what is different. There wasn't the portrayal, I think, of um, difference that we're available to now. And I think that's a really positive thing that my kids doesn't even occur to my kids know what gay is. They know, and it's just an acceptance of something that is normal. It's not, and you know, people. I think people perhaps have, have come in my generation and see that as being PC, but actually, yes, the, it did require a shift, and people felt people had to behave in a certain way that wasn't in accordance maybe with the, the the belief system they had been given. So they felt they were having to fake it to be PC. Whereas for my kids, that doesn't even exist. 
they don't have that that sense of this is something that they're having to pretend to believe in because they just genuinely believe it. And I think that's a really lovely aspect of, of how sexuality has changed over the course of, of my lifetime, I think. Well, I was born in 1960, so attitudes to sex in the society have changed incredibly in my lifetime. I mean, when I was a child in the primary school in the 1960s, there were kids in my class at school um, who had been adopted because their mums had been unmarried mothers and mm-hmm. had been forced to give them up and things like that. I remember when I was 16 in 1976, marching along to the GPs in my school uniform and saying I wanted to go on the pill. And I kid you know, I've carried it to this day, the GP, who was a middle-aged man, looked me square in the eye and he said, do you not understand it's every man's right to expect his wife to be a virgin? Now, you're looking horrified, (gasps) but that was common parlance, right? And I I marvel at my 16-year-old self, you know. I mean, I I alluded briefly earlier on to the fact that, you know, I'd had this rather difficult sort of uh, childhood and in some ways it made me very strong, you know, and I was absolutely damn unsure of what I wanted. And I actually started to stand up and I said, that's fine, if you're not going to give it to me, I'll just go and see one of the other GPs. And he went, sit down, sit down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he gave me a prescription. 